Hello, friends. Welcome. Welcome to all of you. I'm glad to have you here. Lou, how are you? I'm very good today. How are we doing today? Good, good. Mm -hmm. So we are now on verse 6 of chapter 15, uh, episode 163. And Krishna says here that the sun illumines, nor the moon illumines, nor fire. Whither having gone, they return not. That is my supreme abode. What he's saying here is that Brahman. Can you just repeat the verse? We had a slight drop in there at the beginning. So just repeat the sure. verse. Yeah. That the sun illumines not, nor the moon illumines, nor fire, whither having gone, they return not. That is my supreme abode. So what he's saying here is that Brahman has a supreme abode, which we colloquially call heaven. Mm -hmm. But in that supreme abode, once you go there, you don't come back. First of all, he's also saying that the sun does not illumine that abode, nor the moon illumines that abode, nor fire. So those are the three things that he's saying here. Very simple verse, not very different from the verses that we've had in the past few weeks, very deep, very mind-boggling. This is a very simple verse, and I'll tell you the meaning. And there's, of course, deep meanings here too. Every verse has, but just bear with me. So Brahman itself is the source of the sun, the moon, and the fire. We know that. Right. Brahman right. causes the sun. Brahman illumines the sun. It's like saying light does not require light to show itself. So any object, any person, anything, if it is in pitch black, you don't see it. You don't see anything if there's no light. But the minute there's a ray of light falling on that object or person or thing, you see this. You can see the color. You can see the form. You can see. But you need light to see that. Right. However, you don't need light to see light itself. That's a key component of this whole verse, that you do not need light to see light. Similarly, if you say that Brahman is consciousness, pure consciousness, pure raw consciousness, you don't need consciousness to see consciousness. Brahman actually gives the sun the power to give light. So you don't, it doesn't need sun to illuminate, to illumine Brahman, nor mm -hmm. the moon. Sun is direct light because it's coming directly from the sun. Moon represents indirect light. The sun lands on the moon and the reflection of the light from the sun off the surface of the moon has a reflected light. So that's indirect light. Mm -hmm. And fire is generated light. You actually produce that light. So these are three very important but different sources of light, and it has certain meanings that we will see. So light represents conditioned consciousness. Light represents many things in the scriptures and in when we do our rituals. For example, in India, you will see that at the end of any prayer, people walk around with a lamp, with like a candle, 
but except that it's an oil lamp with a flame. And so as each person sees the lamp, they put both hands, palms down over the flame as if they're catching something with their palms, both hands, palms down, facing on top of the lamp, and as if they scoop up something from that fire and they put it to their eyes. Mm -hmm. What that represents is that they're taking, they're scooping up something from the flame and putting it to their eyes. That, what they're taking is knowledge and they're taking it in through the eyes. I don't know if in other religions they do that, but certainly a flame, uh, a candle, a light is in almost every religion revered. The other thing that in India you see when the sun is rising or in other parts during other times during the day, people will stand on the banks of rivers or ocean and fold their hands, look up at the sun as it is rising and uh, uh, pay homage to the sun, pay respect to the sun. What that suggests is that the sun and light is of great importance to us. Why? Because it is through the sun, through light, that trees live, we live. The sun is very necessary. So what this verse is saying is that as important as the sun and direct light is for you, because without the sun, you wouldn't see anything. Right. I, Brahman, am even greater than that because I produce the sun, is one way of looking at it. Now, the moon is indirect light. You say, okay, well, we saw the sun. What, what, how, how important could this moon be? But you know that as a psychiatrist, when I was a resident, first year resident, <clears throat> the nurses used to fight to say, I don't want to be on call or working during full moon days. <laughs> yeah. And I never understood that. And I said to them, what is this about the full moon? They said, oh my God, full moon is when we have a very difficult time in the emergency room. We don't know why it is, but the kind of patients that come in, it's very difficult to handle. We don't want to be on call that night. So we know that the moon has an effect on people's emotions. By the way, I, I haven't found, I, I'm just telling you what the nurses said. Yeah. This is not scientifically that I know of proven in any way. Police but, and EMTs will tell you the same thing. Okay. Yeah. So the moon has an effect on people's emotions, it is said. Moon definitely has an effect on women's physiology and men's physiology too. So here he's saying the moon or indirect light or the gravitational forces that change have an effect on us as human beings. And the Brahman is even greater than that. And then the last one is generated light like fire and has its own importance and consequences. But even that comes from Brahman. So light represents conditioned consciousness. Now we have five senses. We have the mind, we have the intellect. Of those five senses, light as conditioned consciousness is necessary for us to see anything, sight. Mm -hmm. So that one sense organ is extremely dependent upon light and he's pointing that out over here the mind has feelings and emotions also dependent on the moon intellect thought and idea also dependent upon that kind of uh, influence so neither the sun nor the moon nor fire illuminate brahman is what he's saying but it is not dark brahman is not dark in spite of that it produces light not only enough to light itself, Brahman, but also to illuminate 
the sun, the moon, and other objects. It is the nature of light so that all other lights come second behind Brahman. The sun can light up the whole world, but it cannot light up the Lord's home, which is the supreme abode that he talks about in this verse. This limitless consciousness, which is Brahman, gives life to the sun, the moon, fire, everything else. One light cannot illuminate another light. Just as one consciousness cannot illuminate another consciousness or, or Brahman. Brahman is necessary to do that. Consciousness illuminates all other consciousness. Doesn't require any light to do that. So the other way of looking at it, multiple people have given multiple interpretations of this. So we have seen already that we talked about the uh, consciousness and light. Here he's talking about fire. So we said the sun goes through the eyes, uh, and that's one kind of light. Then the other is the moon being psychiatric, mind, women, uh, etc. Now he talks about fiery speech. Fire, fire artificial fire, um, is representative of the speech, or, organ of action, which is a speech. You remember we have five organs of actions, arms, legs, and the third is the voice box, which is the speech, um, and uh, uh, two, other, two others. So the voice box when it is related to fire. So you say fiery speech, which is whenever it's something like that comes about, it represents fire and represents speech. Um, Agni and eyes and all the other senses, including mind, antakarna, represents the mana and the buddhi. So all organs of action, all organs of perception cannot reach Brahman. It says you cannot reach. It says once you reach here, there's no going back. There's no such thing as reaching Brahman. You can only become Brahman. Right. When you reach something, you say, okay, I reached here. Like I, people say, I went to, or this person is going to go to heaven. You don't go to heaven because any place you go to, you can come back. Once you go to Brahman, you don't come back. Why? Because you don't go there like a physical transportation. You become Brahman. Once the river becomes the ocean, there's no going back to becoming the river again. So that is verse six, my friends. Can I ask a question? Please. Because what I heard during this verse, and you kind of just touched on it a little bit, like going there, when we feel about, quote unquote, going somewhere, it's about our property. It's about our physicality. It's about our senses. And when I heard the verse about it does not eliminate the, the home of Brahman, it was a reminder to us that Brahman hasn't got a physical quality that we can perceive with our senses, which is one of the biggest challenges of understanding it, isn't it? That it's absolutely people, that we don't we can't comprehend it the same way that we comprehend other things. So it doesn't matter light doesn't matter the Brahman it because you know that's not how we perceive it. We have to find another way to perceive Brahman. Which is impossible, right? The yeah. the Vedas tell us all the time that you cannot, no matter how much you try, you cannot perceive uh Brahman with all your five senses or your mind or your intellect. You just cannot comprehend it. And so much as we try to come up with definitions and descriptions, as you correctly say, Brahman is not something that you can uh, comprehend. So you're right. You, you, it's just not comprehensible. Therefore, when we say going to Brahman or whatever, we think of it in our terms. 
but that's not how it is in reality. And, you know, by the way, I was just listening to the scientists talking about the Martians and uh, <laughs> Martian trip, right? And they were saying that when we are looking for life, over there, because they have these little uh, drones up there now, yes. uh, Lou, yep. and they're looking for all kinds of things. They found that there were something that must have resembled the river at one point because mm -hmm. they have rocks there on the side. So they say they must have had water. If there's water, there could have been life. But the important thing that they said is that life may not have existed as we know life. Right. That is, to me, absolutely fascinating. What? You mean to say that there could be other ways of expressing life? I mean, our perception and understanding of life as it is, is what we are, that here we are, life having a body, a prakriti, and moving and talking. So what other ways of life are there? I mean, this person, the scientist, didn't talk about it, but I'm sure at NASA, they're talking about different forms of life. And I would love to hear about it, know about it. So if anybody knows, please do let me know. But we have to accept the challenge that it's beyond our current paradigm. It's beyond our current thinking and the way we interact with, quote unquote, the world, that there are things beyond the way we perceive things. That, that yes, you you had me complete my uh, my thought. You completed it for me. That was what I was ending up with, to say, if we don't understand that there are other forms of life on a planet like Mars, how can we, uh, how, how can we understand or imagine Brahman from whom all of this emanates. So we have to drop our need to make Brahman conform to the way we process the world. That's right. You, we cannot try and imagine Brahman. We cannot try to conceive of Brahman. We just have to try and focus on becoming Brahman. Excellent. All right. Uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, if you're watching us on Facebook. If you're on one of our audio podcasts already, by all means, check out our Facebook page at Gita Memoirs of a Psychiatrist. If you want to email the doctor, have a comment, Gita Memoirs of a Psychiatrist at gmail.com. Thank you. See you next time.